politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Adam. Travis. Yes. Fine. Doing okay. How are you? Me? I am perfect. I think I couldn't even be happier. I'm so happy that if a Russian were to hack me right now, I would be like, how you doing, Boris? Let's have some fun. Because I seem to think that there's been some Russian news lately. Da. Hmm. Could it be? Hmm. Uh. Possibly Putin is going to attack the Ukraine, and the United States is uh, telling them they shouldn't do it. And we're probably right in exactly that position that we've always talked about, where someone's going to turn off the lights just to be a dick. Здравствуйте. That's entirely possible, Bo. But here's a good one for you. Do you ever see the movie Wag the Dog? Uh. Yeah, I did. Yes. For those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, Wag the Dog was a political movie starring Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, Anne Hayes. There's a crisis in the White House. What's the crisis? A president, the president that had an unfortunate affair with an underage Sexual girl. Misconduct occurred inside the Oval Office with the election only days away. How much will this scandal? And needed to find a way to divert attention from that fact. Now, Washington's top spin doctor. We can distract the press for 11 days till the election. I think we got a chance. Has an idea. We can't avoid a war. We're going to have the appearance of a war. They essentially created a war with the United States against Albania. Right. Okay, so for that's wag wag the dog. But, you know, I was talking about slap the bear. (laughs) So there was a, a story recently in the New York Times where the United States intelligence community apparently uncovered a video that was in process that would create the impression Mm. that the Ukrainian military were committing acts of atrocity against Russian citizens, both inside the Ukraine and outside the Ukraine, complete with corpses and all that. Fine, but was it fake? Uh, It was fake. And the purpose was to give Russia a pretext for invading the Ukraine. Now, what about this whole situation with Biden saying this and and Putin saying that reminds me of that Sting song about will the Russians do the Russians love their children too. I'm wondering, listen, are we really in, I think we are. I think we're in a situation where we might see a little cyber warfare happening between, if I, it, Travis, 
Dollars to Donuts, is it already happening? It's totally already happening. And what does it look like? Well, uh, we've already seen reports coming in that many government websites, not only in the Ukraine, but now uh, throughout Europe, have been uh, experiencing cyber attacks. Uh, it's just curious timing. Plus, there are over a hundred and some thousand Russian troops that are surrounding the Ukraine. Now, Travis, do you think, what about Colonial Pipeline or any of these, like drum roll, practice runs, anything like that? Or are we looking at something different for what's happening right now? I think we're looking at something different. Um, and I think one of the things that concerns me most is that um, both Russia and China recently uh, pledged mutual support. And they to are each other. Both, right. And they're both very active in the um, cyber warfare, cyber espionage sphere. Now, but Russian President Vladimir Putin denies the existence of a plan for an invasion, placing the blame instead on Washington and NATO for undermining the region's security. Meanwhile, China has very publicly put on a united front with Russia, President Xi joining Putin in opposing further NATO expansion during an actual meeting today in Beijing. And then there's and the whole... Biden seems like he's totally on the stick here and we're going to be fine. Um, I'm sure he'd like to think so. And he actually has taken a few initiatives. Um, uh, like what? Because I'm not feeling totally safe here. Uh, it's going to take a while to implement it, but he wants the uh, U.S. Uh, federal government agencies to practice zero trust architecture, which uh -huh. is a way of uh, keeping your network safer. Uh-huh. Adam, how long have you been talking? What do you think are the likely targets if they if if there is some kind of real attack? It's financial. Is it going after medical establishment places? What what are, what oh, is it going after? Um, operating systems for infrastructure like power grids? It could be all of the above or any of the above. We don't necessarily know. We know there have been attempts on the several critical infrastructure uh, components over the past few years. Mm -hmm. uh, the water system in Florida, the water treatment plant, right. the dam in upstate New York. What was the uh, dam in upstate New York? I know the water plant in Florida was they, they were going to up a chemical that could have really actually killed people. But what was the, the New York one? Oh, the dam in New York was when someone that was working in the monitor rooms at the dam noticed that valves were being opened oh, remotely. And they couldn't figure out why. And it, it was traced back to an Iranian hacker who was very upset about what was going on between the U.S. and Iran. Yeah. Well, even in the last week, uh, several dozen um, oil uh, refineries, things having to do with uh, just oil transportation and the like, all got hit across Europe. Um, and that could very much be something of uh, a little bit of a threat from... Russia just saying, you know, hey, if you uh, if you come after us, if you you know stick with this whole NATO thing, um, we're going to cut you off. Well, there there are there are stories that have have been published now about a very close relationship that Putin has with the leader of the opposition party in the Ukraine. It's so close, in fact, that this this he's the godfather to this fellow's daughter, and this fellow has now been arrested, is under house arrest, being charged with all sorts of crime. And of course, we know the Ukraine, there are, you know, two sides to every story in the Ukraine. Uh, so it, it could well be that, uh, that Putin felt that his one real connection inside the Ukraine was now in jeopardy. Meanwhile, uh, he was watching with horror, at least his version of the story, uh, the Ukraine becoming far more uh, democracy-oriented 
uh, and NATO being a threat on his borders. So therefore, um, he's concerned about it. However, there is a timing issue because of the Olympics, which is being held in China, and because of his relationship with the president of China. Uh, it is highly unlikely that if he does anything, that it would occur during the two weeks that are the Olympic period. Hmm. But we are we are in that territory now where we could see some some of the stuff that we've been talking about. And I, I have to say, I'm decidedly not excited or interested to see what it is. I'm scared. I think it's a, I think it's a serious situation. And 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 like you know, when they say you know, it used to be you know, Rosie the Riveter or other other posters that talked about ways that citizens could help. In the war effort, the way that we all can help in the war effort is to just practice good cybersecurity, be aware, and if you see something, say something. But, I mean, I don't think that's going to help when it comes to the power grid going out. Well, and, and in addition, this might be the first example of cybersecurity being incorporated into also a physical war strategy. So, um, you know, we're going to see things that maybe we don't want to see. But we're certainly going to learn a lot about where the world is going when it comes to cybersecurity. So the best we all can do is play our part, try to keep ourselves as cyber secure as possible, protect our kids, protect our communities. And that's part of why we have this show. Welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam, hopefully not a cyber cretin. <laughs> I'm Bo. Probably a cyber cretin. I'm Travis, and yes, Bo is a cyber cretin. (laughs) Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rope Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rose got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather, and recapture the magic of riding a bike with electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities, it's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike, and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means... You get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, 
fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't like, it's not cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com. And please mention that What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Today, we're back with Brian Fenimore to take a deep dive into security vulnerabilities and why we need to stay vigilant protecting our accounts. Brian Fenimore, that name seems familiar to me. Why am I remembering that name? Well, because probably a distant relative was, you know, wrote the Last of the Mohicans. That's right. <laughs> Last of the Mohicans. James Fenimore Cooper wrote the Last of the Mohicans. I don't think you're right. Travis, you have any, Travis, do you have any other thoughts as to why that name might ring a bell? Uh, maybe it's because he was on last week. Uh... Oh! Just a thought. By profession, I work in information security, and somehow I've made it my career to help modernize technology for large organizations. I like that guy, actually. He was smart. That was the one, that, the Jason Bourne guy. That's right. And it was he was talking about passwords or the lack of password management. And he shamed me for shaming. Rightly so. Yeah. Well, you can be shameful. I liked him. I liked him even so. I had the same email address as an ID, and I had the same password on both accounts, but... Whoa, 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 whoa. Go on. Did you just say that you had the same username and the same password? Yes, and this would be a good time to talk about the concept of blameless postmortems, Bo. <laughs> so, Brian, thank you for joining us today. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thank you, sir. I don't reuse passwords personally. I don't really have any good anecdotes about that, but... Oh, shut up. You do, too. Oh, well, I know someone who does. Who? You. Uh-oh. No, no, no. So you give me... How many years did you go without uh, changing the password? Which that password? Account? Go ahead. Which one? Huh? Do huh? you want me to say it? Uh, the one you've had since the 90s? <laughs> Tra you mean Travis is a big fat dope? That one? I'm sure that's the one. Nope, it's not. Which is it? Come on, tell me. No, don't tell me. What does it start with? Is it a scandalous word, perhaps? Oh, no. It was just one of the easiest possible things to guess. <laughs> Bo was no. his password. It was two letters, three times over again. Two letters. Oh. Yeah. I don't use that password anymore. You can tell everyone what it was. Adam will enjoy this. All lowercase, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Sometimes it was ha, 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 ha. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Way to keep it secure. Well, didn't Mark Zuckerberg have a password that was kind of like da, 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 da? Actually, yeah, Adam is uh, right. The password was da da da. Well, it just shows you great minds think alike. I should be richer then. Ha ha ha, should have got me more money. It didn't work for me. I don't know. Worked for him. Well, there is a guy that used to use ho ho ho, but he's large and has a white beard and <laughs> has a sleigh and, you know, will bring you in particular coal at Christmas. I definitely have shown up on Have I Been Pawned. I know you have, Adam. Sorry, but it's true. 
And um, Travis, have you? Do you have anything that ever showed up there? Oh, yeah. I think pretty much everybody has something that showed up on Have I Been Pawned. But just remember, you can have the most indecipherable password in the world, mm -hmm. but if it's part of a database that was breached, compromised, and exposed, yeah. it's going to be out there and it's probably going to be sitting, or at least parts of it or references to it, on Have I Been Pawned. So the old indecipherable versus discoverable or discovered yeah <laughs> the goal of this podcast is we help people that have experienced cyber incidents or identity theft better understand what happened what they did right what they might have done better what they need to do in the future to make themselves and our listeners harder targets to hit we point out vulnerabilities red flags since breaches have become the third certainty in life behind death and taxes we talk a lot about the site, Have I Been Pawned? Now, this is a tool that helps show people where they might be vulnerable. Like, you enter your phone number, it'll tell you where and when it showed up. You enter your email address, you enter a password, how many times that it's been exposed. So, while this is a tool that helps people show where they might be vulnerable, you could say it's a tool that potential scammers use to exploit the vulnerabilities. Is that right, Travis? It is. It's one thing that uh, Have I Been Pwned does well is it keeps a separation. You can't look up the email address and then it'll tell you the password that got compromised. But if you say, know for a fact that there's a collection of logins and passwords from, say, the Target breach or a LinkedIn breach or something like that, you can look up someone's email address and say, okay, their password is actually out there. And then go and look specifically for, um, uh, on the dark web, uh, password archives to guess that one. And you can be, I mean, just like anything is, nothing is beyond being re-identified to its, its mate and being used that way, right? Mm -hmm. If you put, if you put in the, if you put in the, if you put in the work, I mean. So Brian, I'm wondering sort of where to place the blame on either a vendor or the creator of a product or something like that. I was wondering what your thoughts were on uh, public resources like uh, Shodan.io, which is the uh, Internet of Things uh, search engine where you can just go and see publicly listed uh, unprotected security cameras. Um, do you think that's more of a net positive or a net negative? Just because uh, it's putting the data out there and it's letting people know that they're uh, exposed, but it's also putting the data out there to uh, threat actors, potentially. That's a hot topic and a really good question, Travis. Um, I, My personal opinion, I don't know what's right or wrong, but my opinion on it is if you have a IP address, a service port, if you have something that is open to the internet, right? If you have a firewall mm -hmm. rule or a security group or something, and the source for that firewall rule is any, right? you have made that public and you accept that the public can know anything and everything that can be derived from that service being public. It's my mm -hmm. opinion, right? But it's kind of, it, it's a very slippery slope. So Brian, we're starting to get a little technical here. Assume for the moment that a normal human being is trying to understand what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. How might you make this a metaphor or make it easier to understand? If I'm walking down the street in my neighborhood and my neighbor has their window open and inside the window I can see what's something that's valuable, a DVD collection. <laughs> Um, I, I need to rethink my sense of value. Uh, but if that window's open and I text my buddy 
and I say, oh my gosh, uh, Phil has his window open. His DVD collection is up for grabs, right? Um, and if I say it joking or not, uh, hopefully I'm not a criminal in this context. Um, did I break some sort of law or is it unethical for me to point out that there's a vulnerability? Well, that kind of depends on what DVDs you actually have in your collection. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's up in the air. I, I think it comes down to what the intention is of the person that's sharing it. Uh, Shodan, uh, haveibeenpwned.com. Um, there's several services where they were created with very benevolent intention. And if, if I own that website, like as a person, I can look at that and say, wow, thank you for letting me know. I'm going to go fix that. That's the ideal response. But for large corporations, it can very quickly become, why are you looking at this? What are you doing? Um, I, I think it's very nebulous. The answer, it's unclear. Um, it's, it's almost like trying to look inside somebody's head and try to understand what their intention was. Uh, Shodan I use, um, Have I Been Pwned I use, and I think they're great services and I'll continue to use them. I can see why people frown upon it as sharing potentially hurtful information, mm. but I try to look at the positive and say, if these entities don't know about this hurtful information, how are they going to fix it? Right. In the case of Have I Been Pwned, certainly, they, um, they're not going to tell you the email and password combination. You can look up one or you can look up the other. I think one thing that I find to be a little bit uh, jarring sometimes is with uh, Shodan, for instance, it'll have the most popular searches and it'll say unprotected webcams uh, right there. So it, it, And it'll just give you a list of people whose webcams are just available to the entire internet on there. And to that extent, I think that might end up uh, kind of going over the other line to uh, uh, enabling misuse you know, I, I think that open, having this stuff be open source is really important um, it, because it, if I know that whatever I've designed and built is potentially going to be discussed as uh, subpar production <laughs> that I'm responsible for, I, I'm going to do a better job, or at least I'm going to try to do a better job. And if so I've created something that's insecure, you know, there's so many there's so many irresponsible people online making things that are insecure, and there's no way to keep them accountable other than to. I don't think of it as public shaming, but I guess it is. It's a sort of form of public shaming until people change what is up there. I, I mean, you look like you don't agree entirely, Travis, but not necessarily. I think it's. Um... I don't think that there's one uh, cut and dry answer for it, but I think there's a difference between saying, I can see my neighbor's DVD collection through his open window, mm -hmm. and then taking a, a full page ad out in the New York Times saying, check out this guy's window. Um, I think that's sort of the, um, there's, if you're gonna be broadcasting or advertising something as being insecure, um, and also enabling people to be able to access that, I think that's where that ends up uh, falling on the more irresponsible side of things. But still, this doesn't mean it can't be used for nefarious means, right? Yeah, it, it's what is the action that you are attempting to encourage by sharing it. If you share the vulnerability with the intention of yeah, shaming is probably the right word. I don't like it, but if you're sharing the vulnerability with the intention of shaming the owner, you're trying to facilitate a positive change. If you're sharing the vulnerability 
and you're saying, oh, this this person is using this type of encryption and it's vulnerable. And here's a link to the Metasploit module that allows you to exploit it. You're not only showing the vulnerability, you're showing the full path of the exploit. That is that's just rabble rousing. That's troublemaking. It's also being complicit in a crime. I I feel like that is a that is not a difficult connection to make. Yeah, but I also think that sometimes there are disclosures made for the purpose of educating the community. I mean, that's the, that's the basic idea of have I been pwned? Is it's it's it is an education tool. I've never I've used it a lot with people who don't believe that they're exposed that there's no risk for them. And, you know, they see multiple instances of passwords they're still using. Well, it's threat threat awareness and threat sharing. That's, you know, the whole point is to stimulate collaboration, cooperation, and communication, which there hasn't been enough of. This is this has been kind of a black box. Yeah, and it's been great. I know for uh, having uh, law enforcement agencies are actually now uh, collaborating with uh, Troy Hunt, who uh, operates Have I Been Pwned? And so they're giving him um recovered databases of stolen credentials right that's Sorry. great i've even heard on the enterprise side they're looking at integrating when you reset your password they'll take the the hash of the password right they don't mm-hmm. share the clear text um, but they'll take that hash and they'll compare it against the have i been pwned database and they'll say oh you are using a credential that has been compromised please choose a different credential i think that's brilliant and for our what the hack listeners when a password is clear text or plain text, it means it's out there for anybody to see. It's not encrypted, no real security protecting it. Now, when a password has been hashed, it means it's been reduced to a series of numbers and symbols that are scrambled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about passwords for a minute because we've, we've heard from a lot of people who really struggle with them. And we know we shouldn't reuse the same password or share it across our universe of accounts, but for many... They feel it's like too much work or the risk isn't that big a deal. Well, I I would actually argue that there are certain circumstances when you can use the same password or you can use a password you've used elsewhere. And here's here's where, believe it or not, but IRS.gov. Now, the reason I would say that is because, and it's obviously a target for hackers, but they have multi-factor authentication. You log in, use your password, you have to identify a photograph or an image, then you have to provide uh, another piece of uh, identification through your phone or an email or something like that. It would be very, very difficult to get through all those layers of authentication because you actually need to know something, have something, and be something. They're actually asking now that as part of using the additional multi-factor authentication part, that you actually have to take a selfie. I know that. I don't, I'm not okay with that. Travis? Yeah, there's a lot of controversy around that, especially because the service that they're using is uh, known to be unreliable. So if you have someone who needs that for their government benefits or to file their taxes, um, you don't want to get hit with a late penalty because the software wasn't working. But I mean, on the password front, basically, I think everyone needs to grow up a little bit. Agreed. That's very true. I was reading an article the other day by a somebody who's highly respected in cybersecurity who talks about how you create passphrases. I know we've talked, we talked on this show about using three disassociated words and, and uh, substituting symbols and numbers for the different letters. Um, I came up with a new favorite phrase, just as an example, which would be, some days I like to take a long walk on the beach. 
and just take the first letter of each of those words and then maybe instead of the S have a dollar sign, instead of the A an at, and instead of the O, a zero. I would immediately get lost on that one. I, I'm a password manager guy myself. I like password managers too. I do a little bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both. Hmm. Brian, what do you think? How do you feel about password managers? Would you recommend them? So it depends on the service that I'm using. If I have to log in and it's something trivial like scheduling time for my son's soccer game, right? If I have to log in and create a password for that, it's not getting a lot of attention. And I would use the browser's built-in password vault. So the built-in, would you like to save this password tool that most browsers come with today? And often they'll suggest and store more complex passwords for you. Right. Um, so I would advocate very strongly for using the Mozilla Firefox built-in credential vault. Uh, they do allow for setting up a primary key, which is just a primary password that you use to unlock that vault. And then Firefox will populate that password into your popular sites. Uh, Chrome has this feature and a lot of other browsers have this feature, but I, I place more confidence within the encryption methods that are used within Mozilla Firefox. For much more serious credential vaulting, things that carry a very high impact to me, if they would be disclosed, I use a password manager. Um, and it, would you guys mind if I do a plug for that manager? I certainly get no kickback. Not at all. Please, please share. I use one, and I'm curious to hear which one you use, and if you and if you protect it with two-factor authentication. Good question, and I do, and it's not typical two-factor authentication. Um, it is KeePass X. It is a open source project that was porting the KeePass product to be used on Linux systems. Um, I got into the habit of using that years ago, and it's just followed me as a database. Um, I actually printed out that database, and I keep it in a physical safe for my partner just in case they need to get access to anything. If I become incapacitated or something along those lines, she now has the keys to the kingdom to be able to get in and live life and gain access to what she needs access to. So there's an added benefit as sort of a dead man switch to share that access, right, with trusted partners. Um, but the two-factor that KeyPassX brings to the table that I like to leverage is not only with the password to unlock it all, but they also allow you to use a key file. And if you have that file, you can gain access to the database. It's very portable. I, I, I move from laptop to system to system, and it's nice to be able to take it with me. And it's, it, it's quite encrypted. They use a few different types of encryption for that specific database. Um, and it, it fills me with confidence. And you don't think that two-factor authentication going to a phone that is protected, you know, that has a SIM card password, and you just, you, you still don't trust it? Well, wait, Bo. Look, in another episode, we talked about how easy it would be for Travis to get access to your SIM card. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous, because I just sent him a pair of zombie slippers where it's like a zombie head, and you stick your feet in their mouth, and they're bleeding, and it looks like they're eating your feet from you're getting eaten. He wouldn't do it to me. No way. Mm -mm. They are very warm, and uh, my children are terrified, so <laughs> double. I know that you get a great feeling of safety with your zombie slippers on, Travis, but, uh, you know, I, I was s smug 
in my my feeling safe with my SIM card until Travis said, yeah, unless you know somebody who works at, you know, one of the providers who's willing to take a hundred bucks in exchange for swapping the SIM card. <laughs> I said 50, but yep. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even think it would have to come to that level. I think that there's probably more trivial ways to gain access to an SMS message that's coming to your cell phone. Mm. Um, and Bo, I, it's a great question. I've had conversations about that with other InfoSec professionals and they don't trust SMS two-factor at all. Mm. Um, I, I do, but it is highly dependent upon the context, right? Mm. And, and it all comes down to impact. What is the executives at large firms like to call it the so what? What is the so what report? Right. Somebody's going to compromise the account that I set up at the mom and pop candy shop. Right. And what is the impact? So what? Somebody can order candy. Is my credit card saved there? Are they able to change my preferences at the candy shop? That's all stuff that I can tolerate with negligible impact. My IRS account, my uh, Capital One account. Right. Um, or anything that has a more significant impact, I'm using as many different layers of authentication as possible. Yep. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works, not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing, and I need to make split-second financial decisions, and that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks, and I trade options, and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So what did you learn today? I learned that I'm my two-factor authentication sucks. Well, Travis and I didn't want you to learn that because it's really given us all kinds of opportunities. Yeah, it's taking the fun out of it, certainly. Yeah. This has been, for me, a somewhat unsettling uh, episode because, um, you know, I get a little complacent in my feeling that we are all just low-hanging fruit waiting to be picked Die. one click away i just i don't like to th i like to think that i'm doing a pretty good job and now i like want to tell everybody who listens to the show especially the hackers like okay don't hack me <laughs> please oh please I'm, well, don't I'm, <laughs> I'm sure they're listening 
to that part. You know, I just know because I mean, like, I'm not I, obviously I'm not that big a challenge. I don't think that I don't think that any of us are at the end of the day. I don't feel like I necessarily fall for social engineering, but some some there, there it goes so beyond that that it doesn't that that's just one piece of the puzzle of our own personal cybersecurity. The reality is that all you need is just one moment of distraction. But but also like. I can be completely on my game and have some jerk at a provider accept a bribe, and I'm still hacked. But you knew that story. That story's out there. I hate that story, though. That's all. that's that's reality. Yeah. There was yeah. a there was a major lawsuit by a fellow who lost 24 million in cryptocurrency. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So that is like when we ask what the hack, that's the hack. That's the hack. Yeah. Because again, it's not only human error, but greed. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And and total disregard for my feelings. No empathy. Well, I'm, I'm sure that someone at your mobile provider gets up every morning and goes, I sincerely hope that Bo's having a good day. And if he's not, I need to know about it because I want to make his day a good day. I know. I miss Bob. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. I mean, you know, Travis and I, we do try to get up every morning and say, what can we do to make Bo a happier guy today? And then we do the exact opposite. So <laughs> now I'm going to cry. No, <laughs> this is good tears. This is, it was really interesting for me. I don't know if you guys enjoyed it, but I definitely learned something in this episode and I, it was unsettling, but I guess that is part of what we do is to get get in touch with the basic normal which is that there's a lot of risk out there definitely i mean once once you put something up on the internet you're pretty much uh putting yourself at risk unfortunately skywriting skywriting mm -hmm. that's what it is virtual skywriting yeah in the cloud yep speaking of skywriting and head in the clouds adam you have very high hopes for I, what is it? You want like 10,000 ratings on Apple Podcasts? I want 10,000 ratings on Apple Podcasts. And I what, know. What do you want? The, what if they are all one star? What about no, that? No, we need five. We need five. five and stars. I know you guys can do it. Everyone listening, I'm counting on you. Don't disappoint an elderly man who's living in Arizona. Travis. Yes. Advocate for your friend, Adam. Come on. Yes, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us and it helps uh, other folks find the show. That's right, because we're here for you. And if you don't, we have to listen to Adam bang on about it over Or, or my over. song, that which they don't want to hear. I kind of want to hear it. Once in a lifetime, there comes a moment, a wonderful moment when ratings Take your hand. Bye-bye, everybody. And this is our moment. He's not going to stop. Our once He's in just a lifetime. Going to keep going. I need ratings. Please. <laughs> ratings. Okay. <laughs> what the Hack with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree Media. It's produced by Andrew Stephen, the man with two first names. You can find us online at loudtreemedia.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin.